This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Once you understand what mortality means, that's when wonder really enters your life. But at a a later age, when you're a kid, that wonder's everywhere. It's everywhere at all times. In the art world, there are two types of people. Artists and appreciators of art. (laughs) I am the latter. And my guest today is the former. I have known Bernie Freitag for many years and am a longtime fan of his art. So when he approached me to say he had a vision to create a book that combined a thoughtful message with his drawings and cartoons, I was all in. For several months, Bernie compiled his book and then we worked together to complete it. And it is absolutely one of my favorite books that we have worked on with Scripture Publishing. Why? Because it's a kid's book for adults. It's light and playful on one level, and it is so much deeper than that on another. It's the kind of book you'll want to give to people. Young, old, it doesn't matter because everyone will get something from it. I don't want to give too much of it away, so I'm going to stop here and let Bernie explain the rest. So sit back and enjoy this interview with Bernie Freitag, an artist and the author of Find Wonder in the Ordinary. Welcome to It Just Takes One, Bernie. It is great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. I am with Bernie Freitag. Bernie is the most recent published author from Scripter Publishing. His book, Find Wonder in the Ordinary, became a bestseller just a couple weeks ago, and he is just in the aftermath of that launch process, and we're excited to talk to him about the whole process from beginning to end. He is also, by day, uh, a graphic designer for Romanelli Communications in Clinton, New York, and has been doing that for how many years? Uh, I've been with Romanelli for around 15 years or so, yeah. So for 15 years by day, he's been sitting at a desk creating great things. And then just in the last year at night, he's become an author, somebody who goes home and actually spends time writing, drawing for a different purpose to create a book. Yes, that is uh, absolutely true. (laughs) I want to start and just go back to how we connected about this book. Bernie and I have been friends. We've known each other for a long time, but we connected on this book. It was about a year ago, wasn't it? We did. We did. Um, I, I've been submitting New Yorker cartoons uh, for a long time, and I post my rejections online, and I think you chimed in and said you should do a, a book of rejections um, because you felt that they were, they were good enough for publishing, which I appreciate. Um, and I said I, I actually thought about that already, and – uh, I would like to call it the Central New Yorker, and uh, you thought that was cute. And I actually thought I kind of forgot about that, I guess, and kind of moved on to other things. And uh, I saw you at a concert uh, locally at the Saranac Brewery, and you had mentioned uh, that you still wanted to do that book. 
And in the meantime, I kind of had an idea for a different book. And that's what this book became. I actually love that story. And I want to put a plug in. If there are any listeners out there who have any connections at The New Yorker, you need <laughs> to go and, uh, and open some doors for Bernie because every one of the, the illustrations and cartoons that he put in this book and beyond <laughs> is worthy of The New Yorker magazine or thank, thank the you. Central New Yorker should that ever come to be. Thank you. Um, Bernie is an extremely talented artist and actually that's how I've really known Bernie through all these years is as an artist not just a graphic designer but a fine artist which is what you came out of school with a degree in fine art right? Uh, yeah uh, actually the degree in graphic design from uh, Rochester Institute of Technology that's right, RIT back then. Yeah. Um, back then, back in the day. Well, I figured some people might not, might not know what RIT stands for. <laughs> so true. I thought I'd spell it right out. That's true. But I definitely want to make the point that Bernie is an artist because although this is a book, there is a lot of art in the book. Yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, the art was the inspiration for the book. Yeah, I think that was the the what I wanted to do the most, I've always been a, a drawer, doodler, um, an artist, and I really wanted to create something uh, and publish it. And I've been doing calendars and posters and all this stuff for years that, you know, just my personal, um, my personal pleasure, really. And, uh, and as I was doing these cartoons, um, another idea kind of came into my head. And then I kind of uh, over uh, uh, a small period of time, the two kind of met and became this book. Yeah. And let's talk about the two that met because there was this idea about fine wonder in the ordinary that came to you a long time ago. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I, the phrase or the title fine wonder in the ordinary came to me about five years ago. At that time I was doing a sketch a day, um, and when I was doing the sketch a day, it was just kind of a way for me to keep drawing and forcing myself to draw because I love to do it. And I don't, sometimes you just don't find the time when you set a goal for yourself, you just want, you want to fulfill that. So I actually did draw every day. And that phrase came out of one of the days, which was just like, honestly, like a couple of weeks ago was the fifth. And I actually wrote it down on my Google calendar when I came up with the idea because I thought it was a good idea. But I honestly think that the idea of fine wonder in the ordinary is a lot older than that. Um, through some of my what I've gone through in my life, I, in the way I view the world and the universe and everything, it, it, that's what it was. But I didn't have a title for it yet. And I think when I came up with that through the sketch days, when it all kind of clicked. Now, like four years later, a year ago now. Um, through a, a very spiritual kind of awakening moment, I realized that I don't, I didn't think I could get the message of what fine wonder than the ordinary meant out in the world, unless it was a book. Um, I toyed around with, you know, starting a blog and starting an Instagram page and all this stuff. And it just wasn't getting it. And then I started writing the book and it actually became something else as I was writing it. And it, I think it's exactly what I wanted to convey. Talk a little bit about that spiritual experience because there was a moment you said you were flying back from a trip and, and it was all starting to come together, the vision and the clarity of this book. But 
tell us about that trip and how that really opened your eyes to something that was possible. yeah it um there was a specific moment in that trip i was actually standing in the middle of a native american uh park and there was a, a it was a moment where i just had this feeling within me like being among these petroglyphs and the walls of this canyon and all this stuff and I think a lot of it probably is a part of being on vacation and not having all that over your head of everything else that goes on in your life. And you just kind of have a clarity, uh, a clear moment where it all kind of made sense of what life meant to me and how you, ha you can have these feelings and these emotions without actually seeing something as physical proof. And I think that stayed with me. Um, it, 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 was kind of burned into me at that moment and then on the plane home i started writing about it and that's when i had the book idea was right then and i think i was kind of playing around with the book idea i think it was in there in my head and i read certain books and i was like yeah I think that's kind of what i want and you know you take things from certain books that you like and um can I swear? Can I swear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, there's a book called uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. <laughs> I was going to say fair warning. <laughs> um, and I can't remember the author's marks something. Um, but when I read that book, not only did it accomplish what it set out to do was for me to like kind of let go of all this preconceived stuff about, you know, me putting myself out there. Mm -hmm but it also showed me how I wanted to write a book and how he writes is it's there's similarities to it. I, I, I definitely go a different whimsical silly way. Um, but it's all through stories and I love the way he wrote that book. And I was like, I, I just, there's something about that that I just really liked. And I think that was kind of like set in me. And then, um, I forget the author who wrote the, um, Big Magic, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. Gilbert. That's another book that was kind of, it just settled with me. And I just, it had always been there. And I think after I wrote this book, I realized that might even have been further back before I read The Subtle Art of whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I think when you, you take those connections and those indications from all those different um, areas and it just kind of like built up to a point where I just saw exactly where my path should go. There's so many pieces in what we just talked about that I want to just go back and highlight because I know a lot of our listeners have had that little idea in the back of their brain at some point that they want to write a book and for all the reasons that, that they can come up with they haven't done it yet. One of the things you said is that this has been in your mind, sort of rattling around back there for a long time. So oftentimes we might have an idea that doesn't come to fruition for years later, but that doesn't mean not give credibility to the idea or to stay true to the goal. How would you, what would you say to somebody out there who's saying, you know, I sort of have this idea, but I don't know if I can do it now. Will it ever get done? Uh, it sounds simple, but I just start writing. Uh, I, that's my biggest um, advice is just start. Once you start, I think um, other other powers will take over. Like 
your brain will create its own energy and that book will just start to roll. Um, and at least that's what happened with me. Um, I just started writing and write a, write a, write a chapter and then write a, write three chapters and then write five chapters. And then for me, you know, that that's half the book, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a short read, but still it's, 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 that's what I wanted to create. So, um, I think just like the book conveys, it's about the little things. So you just start small you keep building it. And, um, someone told me once that life is all about having goals. And if you have a goal and you just keep it in focus, um, you'll get there. Another thing that you brought up that I think is often a stumbling block for people is the preconceived notion of themselves. You mentioned that a little while ago. What, what was the preconceived notion that you had? What was the block or barrier that you had? And how, how did you overcome that? How did you get out of your own way and do it anyway? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, uh, I don't know exactly what it was. It's probably just like some insecurities about yourself or about myself. Um, not knowing if I was good enough to write a book. Um, and there's probably people out there who would read the book and go, hey, you might not have been. <laughs> but I, th I think I accomplished. Not many, not, <laughs> thank you. But I think, uh, I, think it, I have to give credit to you as well because you told me it's my voice. And that helped a lot. I think I had that in my head. Like I, I have something to say. And once I understood that it's as long as it's my voice, it doesn't really matter what exactly how I put it. Um, and I think there was a lot that that book, not giving a fuck did to me. Like it really did take me to a point where like, it doesn't matter what other people think as long as I think it's good. And, and I think that happened to me with the New Yorker cartoons too, where I was drawing for them and not for myself. And once I started drawing for myself, I'm like, well, it's more enjoyable, one. And two, it's starting, I'm going down a path that makes more sense to me, um, which brought me to writing. So, um, yeah. The third point that I want to bring back up is the creativity. You know, we talked about it coming from the art and, and you are an artist at heart at mind <laughs> that's that's really who you are um the, the writing piece is part of that creation but it really stems from the art because you're a creative soul your process of going through this is different from somebody who might be a scientific soul or a more structured soul and I'd like to hear and have the audience hear a little bit about the process of writing for you from your creative space. What was that like? <laughs> how, how did that come out of you as a creative mind? Um, I think I, I can, I can definitely relate that right back to the book and how, what the book conveys is how to view life uh, with more possibilities. And I think that's a big part of, creativity is to be open to just about every avenue. Um, and I think that, that just, that's why I draw the way I draw. And, you know, it's cause it's just open to new possibilities. Um, 
I don't know if I answered the question or not, but I, I, I think I got there. Yeah. And then even as you you did that as, as the writing process, so you're, you're bringing that element of possibility and, and anything that comes out is, is a possible thing, but was the writing process easy for you? Was it, was it chunky? Was it, you know, did you grapple with it? How, how did it flow out of you? I, I can only draw or I can only write in the morning. That's one, one thing I would say is that I think the the whole world gets in my way otherwise. Uh, so I get up and I, I write and at that time it's, it's easier for me, but it's not easy. Um, it's hard for me to come up with the right words at the right time, whatever. But I think there are certain moments where it, it was almost um, stream of conscious writing. I think it, I think, and I would, re I relate that right to drawing. Uh, drawing's the same way. Like you get to a certain point and you look back and you're like, what? Well, how did I do that? And you realize that, you, you know, your pen or your paintbrush did it. And the writing can be the, exactly the same way. Whereas you look back and you read it over and like, wow, where did that come from? And even, even after the book was done, I think I told you this, I really didn't know what I created until I read it once it was done. So I think it's a lot of letting yourself go, um, which is a big part of what the book is about too, is just to not hold on too much and, or hold on just enough, you know? I love that. And I think there are so many people who are out there that want to write and feel how hard it can be. If, if the actual process of, pen to paper, you know, typing it out often stops the flow for them. Um, especially creative minds, I think, struggle with it because, you know, you're, you're imagining it and you can't quite get the words to match what you see. Yeah. Um, so it can often get blocked. But I think Elizabeth Gilbert, speaking of the book Big Magic, speaks to that <laughs> so beautifully. She does. Right? Yeah. Um... Yeah, she does. I was, I had a thought and I lost it. Right. It was she, right there and then it was gone. <laughs> I saw your eyes light up. It, she talked about how, you know, she kind of felt like creativity was sort of all these like little dots in the ether, you know, and, and that your antenna pick it up. And if you just get out of the way, it will just flow through you. And, and like you couldn't said, agree just hold more. on tight enough to let it come. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Um, yeah. And writing, writing is very difficult for me. And I don't, I don't, I don't consider myself a writer, even though I wrote a book, I don't consider I'm, I'm an artist. And so for me to do that part of it was exceptionally difficult and especially do something that I think can be consumed quickly and easily, maybe not easily, but um, at least quickly. I mean, it's not, it wouldn't take you a lot of time to read the book, but breaking it all down. And that's another point of how to accomplish a whole book. I broke it all down to little bites, which was became chapters, and each one, each chapter is something very, very simple. You know, it's clouds, it's the sun, it's animals, it's a dog, you know, and then you put that all together, and voila, it became a book. <laughs> We've been talking all around it, but we have not talked about the actual writing and the book. <laughs> so let's share. Let me share a little bit of it so that. The readers are now interested to hear what 
dog. Should we tell people we're drinking beer? <laughs> and we're drinking a beer while we're doing. This. We're doing Nothing adult. Matters. We're doing adult things and acting like children. That's exactly right. The title is actually "Find Wonder in the Ordinary," a kids' book for adults. I never gave them the subtitle. Let me just read this piece to you, which I think will give the, the listeners a little bit of an uh, opportunity to understand what we're talking about here. Throughout this book, I try to not get on a soapbox to explain what you should or shouldn't do. No one wants that. I'm simply here to remind us all, myself included, of the simple wonders of the world, of the universe, of life. Our planet is in the absolute perfect position in the universe to have life. If the planet shifted on its axis, even the slightest, life would not be possible. I try not to think about that too much because it hurts my brain a little bit. But when I do, it makes me realize that there has to be a reason we're here. And we should wonder in that fact alone. Will you read my audiobook? <laughs> <laughs> it's a powerful thing when you hear your words coming back to you. Yeah. And, and maybe a little bit to that point of every time you read it, you get something more from it. And every time you hear it from a different direction or read it from another direction, you get something from it. Yeah. And we Absolutely. should wonder in that fact. We should. We should. Talk about... And, and share with the listeners a little bit about the idea of wonder. What does that mean to you? How does that play out in your life? How does that play out in my life? Um, I don't know. It's it's a it's an intangible thing to me. I mean, even though I put it into words in the book, it's kind of a tough thing to describe. But um, I think I think once you realize how how almost impossible it is to be here and and uh, experience what we're experiencing, I don't think you really understand the world and the wonder in it. Like, it's really fascinating to me just to think about the passage that you just read. It just, it's practically impossible that we're here. I mean, it really is. So, um, and when I go, go on, it gets, the book does get a little deep. And I think once you understand what mortality means, that's when wonder really enters your life. But at a at later age, when you're a kid, that wonder's everywhere. It's everywhere at all times. And I think when I when 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 we get older, when I got older, I just danced around it. You know, you just dance around the wonder. Um, and even now, I mean, even though I I speak of wonder, and you know, it still happens. You know, life gets in the way. Other things in life get in the way, and. Um, Sometimes you have to seek it out, and sometimes it just hits you on the side of the head, you know. But it's always there, and I think that's what I think that's what it is. We've had some great conversations about the topic in, in the year that we've been working together on this book, and I remember you saying at one point um, that that it's the way that children look at the world is so different, and 
at some point in our life, our eyes are not as wide open as they are in those early years. You actually had an opportunity in your life that made your eyes open that way. Share a little bit about the experiences of your life that have made you keep that childlike, wide open view of the world. Um, well, you le you learn well if you read the book, you learn pretty quickly um, that I was in a bike accident uh, almost twenty years ago, a bicycle accident. Um, and I was riding my bike along the Charles River in Boston. I wasn't wearing a helmet, um, and I fell, and I hit my head, and had a seizure, and fractured my skull, the whole deal. got knocked out um, for almost two days. Um, I was actually missing. I don't know if I ever told you that part. No, I didn't that Yeah, I didn't have ID on me. Um, scared the crap out of my entire family because I was gone like I, nobody could find me and uh, uh, showed up at the interestingly enough I was across the river from Mass General Hospital <laughs> when yeah, it happened when I was directly across the river like the bridge that connects one side of the other, I was on the other side wow. when it happened um, and so I was rushed over there and I had um, I had like a video card or something in my pocket with my keys and they traced that back to who I was. Wow. Um, so I went through a long period of recovery, um, rehabilitation. Uh, mostly um, I met with a speech pathologist, I think that's the correct title, um, and kind of pieced my life back together. Uh, but the really interesting part of that was what, you know, you injure, I had a head trauma, a mild head trauma injury, which felt pretty major to me. But um, during my recovery, my brain would kind of go through a process of rebuilding my memories. Um, and I don't know if this is something people go through when they have head trauma. I have no idea. I never looked it up. I never researched it or whatever. It's just what happened to me. And through that recovery, I started having all these little flashbacks of childhood. And I remember like calling my parents and being like, this really happened. And, you know, they weren't all great memories, but, you know, some of them, you know, I didn't even have to call them because it was, it was just great stuff, you know, just like hiking in the back. Yeah. You know, like I used, I lived behind a, a wooded area and used to hike back there and we used to go to a pond and we used to catch frogs and, and, you know, we built a fort back there and, you know, we used to go up North to my grandparents' place and, um, you know, go fishing or whatever. And it's just like those memories and catching fireflies, especially um, those memories just like kind of, kept coming back to me, kept coming back to me. And um, that's really what, I think that was the moment where Fine Wonder and the Ordinary really started for me, you know, to really understand those were the things that were important, those little things, you know. I think sometimes it is those moments in life that are most challenging that give us the biggest opportunity. 
Oh yeah. And, and, and clearly, but I'm so glad you brought up fireflies because it is one of my favorite <laughs> chapters. It's actually one of the ones that that's I one of the best. That's one of my favorite stories of all time. It is, and it I'm really not gonna, is. it is one of my favorite cartoons in the whole book as well. So um, it's excellent. I'm not going to give you all of it, but let me share this little bit of it for those of you who uh, who haven't thought about fireflies in a while. The simplest of motives and the simplest of actions can truly be a beautiful thing. It's an inspiring display to witness and to know that there's a lot more going on in a firefly, firefly display than merely a fancy light show is pretty damn cool. As with other displays similar to these actions, they are fleeting moments that only last for a very short period of time, a fraction of the summer months. Not only are these displays something to look forward to, they are something to completely cherish while they are here as they won't be here for long. You can relate that however you wish throughout your life. But I simply like to look forward to when I'll see those beautiful light shows again. Take in every second of them when they are here. Then you can relive those lasting memories over and over in your mind. I thought you were going to tell the whole story before no, that. No, I want I'm them glad to you read didn't. it. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> I want them to read it. It's a really, it's a great story. It was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had with fireflies and oh, it's just amazing. But yeah, uh, memories. I, memories. I'm so glad that you mentioned it because I had marked it as something that I wanted to read. But I also have to say that because we're in mid-August here, well, early August in upstate New York, right now the fireflies are out in droves at night. And every night this summer that I've been sitting outside and they're just flashing all over my yard. And yeah. Just, keep chuckling to myself about the cartoon yeah. book and yeah and relating to your story <laughs> it's funny this year though they've, they've been around a lot longer than usual it's actually a lot longer which it's kind of a i don't know i don't know why i used to, i actually i dated a girl a long time ago when i lived in boston who studied fireflies right. yeah and she said that they evolve quicker than most insects i guess um and they evolved they basically they flash their lights and stuff to mate and i think i say it in the book someplace where i think that's why just about every animal does whatever they do mm -hmm. <laughs> pretty much right. um but yeah they evolved like and i wonder i wondered wondered this year that if they're evolving to a longer like be around longer i don't know maybe the world is shifting a little bit for them to be around longer I don't know. There's probably some smart person out there someplace that figured it out. If you're listening and you're that person, <laughs> please share it on the website. Yeah. Facebook yeah. Page. They showed they showed up late this year, but they've been around for a long time. Yeah, I was really I'm really surprised that they're actually still around. Just listening to you to describe that, it made me think that part of the element of wonder is curiosity and questioning because you just listed a bunch of questions that you think about. And often in the book, you share just questions that yeah. you have in your mind. Yeah. Where did, where did you get that curiosity? Where does that come from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I almost don't want to know the, the answers sometimes too. Uh, it's just more of a like, oh, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And that's just, I guess it's in my nature. Um, it's just funny because I'm, I'm a, like as a kid, I was very quiet. I didn't ask questions at all, never. Um, but these days, I'm I'm curious about that stuff. And I think I don't know. It, 
through, going through the process of writing and everything is kind of the journey back to that curious mind a little bit. I don't, I've always had it. I don't know that if I've ever ex, uh, externalized it, if that's the way to phrase that. Mm -hmm. um, Verbalized it out. For, yeah, yeah. Not to keep going back to Elizabeth Gilbert, but because we mentioned her a couple times, I just happened to We should. She's fabulous. She's awesome. Um, she, I just happened to watch an interview with her last week, and whatever the person asked her was about fear. And she said she, she's a person who has a lot of fear. And the, the reason that the fear could be overcome was because she also had an equal amount of curiosity. That yeah. as long as she was curious, and she had just an ounce more curiosity than fear, she could keep moving forward. That's a great way to put it. I thought that was a fascinating thing to think about. That is really well put. See, I can't. That's amazing. She puts things in words, and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that was so well put. <laughs> so this concept of wonder, actually, as you were saying it, the other thing I was thinking is that sometimes you don't want to know the answer. Mm -hmm that's kind of powerful it is because it opens up all possibilities and it keeps them open yeah yeah i like when a movie ends and then there's no like happy ending to it like it just leaves it open i love that I let your mind go and most people hate it hate it what do but you I, love about it it's the it's just an open-ended let's it's i can come up with my own conclusion if i want to or i can just let it go um, the people I work with, we talk about movies all the time. And I think certain people are like, how could you possibly like that ending? There's no ending to it. I'm like, ah, it's just wide open. It's just wide open. And something really powerful about that. Um, and I can, I can relate that to like travel when you go to a certain place and it's just like wide open and it's like the possibilities are everywhere, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I like that. Kind of squirrely. No, it's good. It's <laughs> powerful. I think because we're so accustomed in this world that everything has to get done. Done, 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 done. Yeah. Check mark, check mark, check mark. Yeah. Close it up, close it up, close it up. That just to step back for a moment and say, it could just be open. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you can relate to a lot to life because life isn't about just goal 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 it's about the whole journey you know it doesn't end because you know i ran a marathon it doesn't end it, like there's still it's still part it's just a part of everything else yeah yeah for sure what is i mean there's still a lot open you finished one book and there's lots of possibilities out there for you what is it that you would really like the listener somebody that picks up this book to get when they finish the last page? Um, simply put, I, I'd, I'd like them to be entertained and enlightened at the same time. Uh, I think I tell a lot of people it's the book is a, a bridge between silly and serious. Um, but I also would like them to kind of find their own wonder and and get it out there. You know, if you find a wonder in something, get it out there. You know, no sense keeping to yourself. Yeah. Excellent. I'm not going to read the entire last page, I'm <laughs> let them, but I will read the last line of the book, which says, 
may the wonder be with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe that. I really want the wonder to be with people. Um, and I, I kind of struggle. I, after Apparently signing a book or putting your autograph on a book is a thing <laughs> that I'm, I'm <laughs> learning. Kidding. I'm learning. Um, I was dropping off books at certain places and they're like, did you sign it? And I'm like, no. Uh, so I stood there and I signed it. And I struggled with using that phrase in the in, in signing a book because it's the end of the book and i'm like no it makes perfect sense it should be the beginning and the end you know because that's exactly what it is you i really wish people will find their own wonder before we end i always ask my guests to share what it just takes one means to them and I'm always interested and curious about the answers because I think it's a, a deep question. It's not a simple question. So I turn it over to you. What does it just takes one mean to you? I thought about this for a long time because <laughs> I knew it was coming. And and I could take it in all different directions. But I, for me, and what, how I try to bring the message for the book or whatever to myself, because I actually do, I, I read from the book a lot. Um, I read the last two chapters a lot. Um, but for me, I need to find one thing every day. So it just takes one thing for me to get through every day. So as long as I find that one thing, I had a good day. Um, and I think a lot of people, like when you sit at your dinner table, you say, what was the best part of your day? And that, that's it. That's all it is. That, to me, that's what it is. It's about that one thing. Um, and as long as you found something every day, you're having a good life. If people want to get the book or they want to start following you and see all the other great creative things that you're up to, how do they do that? How do they find you? Um, there's a website, findwonderintheordinary.com. Uh, it's also on Facebook. Uh, there's a page on Facebook. There's a Instagram feed, same name. Uh, I'm on Twitter too, but I don't do a very good job with that. <laughs> um, but that's the, probably the best, and the book is available on Amazon. Fantastic. If you haven't bought the book yet, I'm going to strongly encourage you to go out and get it. It is a book for adults, but it is also a book for kids. It's a book for teenagers. It's a book for the elderly. Everyone in every age group can get something from it. And as, as you said, getting everyone to be thinking about that one thing in their day or a piece of wonder that they can notice and see with their eyes wide open is, is what it's all about. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Kelly again. Before starting this recording of this last little section, I actually went back through and listened to the entire interview from beginning to end again. I just have to say, I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I just did. Bernie is such a deep thinker, and conversations with him are always entertaining and enlightening. 
it was a lot of fun to have a beer and sit down and record that interview with him. And I just want to go back and reiterate a couple of points that he brought up. I think they're relevant. The first thing I want to talk about are the pieces of advice that he gave to anyone who is interested in writing a book. If that's you, if that is a dream that you've had, then I think he just gave you some really good advice. He said, first of all, find the time of day that works best. For him, that was early morning. But when you find the time of day that works best, you can sit down and then just start writing. And if you just start writing, you can do a little bit at a time, a chapter at a time, and eventually it can become a book. The other piece of valuable advice that he added was to then just let go. Let the words and ideas flow and hold on just enough to capture them onto the page. I thought that part of the conversation was really enjoyable, but I think it brought up a really good point. Getting into the flow of writing, letting the words and ideas come out and through you is a really important piece of writing a book. And it's such good advice for any one of you who might be interested in doing it yourself. So I want to close this episode with some of Bernie's final thoughts. He said that wonder allows for endless possibilities. And that finding one thing every day that inspires the wonder within you will lead to a life well lived. I think that is great food for thought as we come to a close in this episode. Thank you for taking the time to listen and thank you for joining me today. I will end with Bernie's message to you. May the wonder be with you.